Hello and welcome to the Sam Fiction and Fantasy Fun Podcast. This is episode 6 of the Witcher Chapter by Chapter book review, where I'll go through a summary of what happened in the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today I'll be discussing chapter 6 of book 1, The Last Wish. We are moving along a lot faster than I thought. I don't know why it's faster than I thought. If each episode covers a chapter, I guess I didn't I didn't realize how few chapters there were in this book. But yeah, there's only seven in total and we're in chapter six. So one more chapter to go for The Last Wish before we move on to the next book. And I'm really excited about that. Anyway, um, as always, I'm going to start with a recap of last episode in case you missed it or you need a refresher. And then we'll move on to the summary of the chapter we're discussing today. So last episode recap, we last left off with Geralt and his friend, the bard Dandelion, looking for work in Upper and Lower Posada. Geralt is given the job of driving a devil off the land. While trying to do so, he and Dandelion are captured and held in the nearby forest by elves who live in the mountains away from the humans. And the humans are part of the society that discriminates against elves. They are going to execute Geralt and Dandelion because they cannot have the humans learning about the devil, who we now know is a creature called a Sylvan, and he goes by the name Torque. And they, they, they can't have them knowing that he's stealing seeds and farming secrets and knowledge for the elves. Right before Geralt and Dandelion are about to be shot with arrows, the Queen of the Field shows up and telepathically communicates to the elven leader, Philavandril, not to kill them, and the Witcher and Trebador are released. All right, so we'll move right into the summary of chapter six. In the voice of reason part of the chapter, Geralt and Nenica are in a cave with many plants discussing Yennefer, who we've only heard brief mentions of up until now. Neneke asks Geralt to stay at the temple longer, but he insists on leaving as he's afraid of running into Yennefer there. Neneke assures Geralt she won't be showing up there anytime soon since she and Neneke quarreled only a couple of months ago. Geralt asks Neneke to give precious stones he bought with the streak of reward money to Yennefer so he can pay for a procedure, I'm sorry, so she can pay for a procedure to have her reproductive organs operating again, which is a function that most sorcerers give up for the gift of magical abilities. Neneke advises against giving the stones to Yennefer as it will only upset her with him more. She also advises again that Geralt allow Iola to perform the trance on him because he's not performing as proficiently as he should be, and the trance could help figure out what's causing his incompetencies. Geralt refuses again because he's afraid Iola will prophesy and he doesn't want to hear his future. Understandably so. Neneke seems to acquiesce and ask Geralt how he and Yennefer met. From here, we segue into the chapter short story, which is also the name of the book, The Last Wish. In The Last Wish, while fishing, Geralt and Dandelion haul up an ancient sealed amphora. Dandelion, excited that it contains a wish-granting gin and ignoring Geralt's warnings, tries to open the vase. During a struggle between the two, the vase falls to the ground and a large cloud of red mist escapes. Geralt dives for cover, but Dandelion starts to recite his three wishes. Instead of granting his wishes, the gin decides to strangle the bard before he can make his third. Geralt rushes to Dandelion's rescue and tries to use his sword and the Ard sign to fight the djinn. When this doesn't work, he shouts out an exorcism in a foreign language he once heard in a temple. 
The djinn then takes off across the river. Unfortunately, Dandelion cannot speak as it seems his throat and vocal cords have been seriously damaged and he vomits blood. After riding all day seeking help, Geralt and Dandelion arrive at the gates of... I'm honestly not sure if this is pronounced Rind or Rind. I always read it in my head as Rind, so I'm just going to say it that way. Um, they arrive at the gates of Rhine, but they are told that no one may pass between dusk and dawn without a letter of safe conduct from the king. The guard offers them the gatehouse until morning, and having no better option, Geralt agrees. In the gatehouse, Geralt makes the acquaintance of two elves, Chiriadin and his cousin Eridol, and a half-elf knight, Vradimir. They tell him he'll need a mage to help Dandelion, but mages are boycotting Rhine because of the penalties and taxes for spellcasting within the area. But there is one sorceress, though, who continues to work within the city limits, and it's Yennefer. She's currently staying in the sanctuary provided by the Novigradian merchant ambassador, Beau Barant. In the morning, Geralt sets off to find Barant's home. After entering the house, he meets the homeowner, who is quite inebriated. The ambassador asks Geralt to help him on his task of finding apple juice for Yennefer. Geralt fetches the juice, but then he finds Bo passed out. The witcher takes the apple juice and goes in search of the sorceress. He finds her asleep in her bedchamber, but she awakens and throws a spell at him, sending him back against the wall. He asks her for help, which she agrees to because she's pleased he brought her the juice. However, she won't help him until after taking a bath, which she does while Geralt explains the situation to her. Once dressed, Yennefer opens a portal and the two set out for Eridol's inn, where Dandelion is waiting. At the inn, Chiriadin and Geralt wait downstairs for Yennefer to cure Dandelion. While they're waiting, Chiriadin warns Geralt that Yennefer is absolutely not to be trusted. When Yennefer is finally finished healing Dandelion, Geralt enters the room to find Dandelion happily asleep and a pentagram with candles on the floor meant for summoning demons. Geralt first wants to bring Dandelion to safety and offers a price to guarantee his return. Yennefer wants her price right away, though, and reveals that she has trapped Geralt in the room and paralyzes him using magic. Geralt mostly loses consciousness right after Yennefer tells him he's going to do exactly what she wants, and the next thing he knows, he's in a jail cell with Triadin and no memory of how he got there. The elf tells Geralt that, under the influence of Yennefer's spell, Geralt went rampaging through the town, punishing those who had recently insulted the sorceress by doing things like publicly spanking the town's apothecary. Three guards enter the cell, two hold Geralt down while the other punches him. As the guard punching him sarcastically asks Geralt if he has any requests, Geralt says he'd like him to burst. To everyone's astonishment, the guard does exactly that. Later, the Witcher and the Elf are brought before Neville, the town's mayor, and a priest named Krep. While they're discussing the situation, Dandelion suddenly enters the room from a magical portal that appeared on the wall. As he's entering the room, he's wishing everyone to believe that Geralt is innocent. Yennefer had him do this right before sending him through the portal, making his last wish, so the djinn would be freed and she could capture it so she can make her own wishes. Just then, everyone rushes to the window to see the cause of the sudden roaring commotion outside. It looks like Yennefer has lured the djinn to the town and is trying to capture it. It's much stronger than expected, though, and despite Yennefer's spells binding it to Eridol's inn, it smashes up the nearby buildings. Geralt and Krep realize Geralt was the one with the wishes, not Dandelion, 
And because Geralt hasn't made his third and final wish, the djinn is not yet free and therefore cannot be captured by Yennefer. He asks Krep to stabilize the trace of the portal Dandelion just came through. After he does so, Geralt jumps through, intent on saving Yennefer. The sorceress denies Geralt's help and opens a portal for him to exit through. He goes through the portal but grabs her and brings her with him. Infuriated by his interference, she tries to physically and magically attack him, but determined to capture the djinn, she returns through the portal and Geralt follows her. On their return, she traps Geralt in a magic chain that burns his skin when he moves. He explains the situation and Yennefer demands that he make his last wish. Right before the djinn is about to kill her, Geralt makes his wish. The djinn tears free and the inn collapses. Under the rubble of the inn, Yennefer and Geralt find themselves unharmed and in an intimate embrace. Only moments later, Yennefer and Geralt make love, knowing their fates are bound to each other by the last wish. So, uh, with this being the last story, it's safe to say now Geralt does not live a dull life. Uh, we've gotten enough evidence of that at this point. Lots of adventure, lots of action. Even um, if the rest of his life that we you know don't know anything about up to this point is boring and uneventful, these stories alone are enough to indicate a very exciting life. Uh, He's also got some wide-reaching fame. Yennefer heard of him prior to their meeting, and she knew him as the White Wolf. And I thought that that was pretty interesting. I mean, he he's probably um, he's probably gained this fame from Dandelion. That's what I'm guessing. If Dandelion is writing songs about Geralt, then you know word will get out since we already know that Dandelion himself is famous. So if this you know famous singer that a lot of people know is writing songs about Geralt and referring to him as the White Wolf, then people are going to become more familiar with him. And also, uh, Yennefer. We finally know who Yennefer is. We finally got to meet her. We've only heard brief mentions of her a couple of times. And the fact that she's come up more than once, we knew that she was probably somebody important. It felt like the things they've said especially the first time they mentioned her it was when Geralt and Iola made love um <laughs> they uh or he he was like wishing that she was Yennefer or something similar to that and so it's it, it was kind of obvious that they did have that sort of relationship Geralt and Yennefer um and now we know 100% that that is the case so want to talk about her a little bit. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting, he figured out that before she was a sorceress, she was a hunchback. And uh, some background on that. Sorceresses tend to have physical flaws that are considered ugly, and they were corrected using magic upon becoming mages. And a lot of these, you know, ugly, quote-unquote, ugly girls became sorceresses because they're not seen as attractive enough to marry off and um, they cut ties with their family because only brotherhood matters at that point. So a lot of the girls came from families where you would typically become married to another family so that your families can, sorry, I'm saying the word family a lot, uh, so that the families can become allied with one another. But if these girls are seen as 
ugly, then they're not going to have as much success with that. So instead they become sorceresses. And then once they become sorceresses, they become more, you know, attractive or they correct any of their physical flaws, I guess. Um, anyway, I thought that that was quite a conclusion to make the whole hunchback thing. Uh, it's just out of all the deformities a person can have, I'm not sure how he decided she must have been hunchbacked. Like there really was no indication to that exactly. Like there could have been plenty of other things and he just was able to guess that. I mean, whatever. And I'm sure that is what, what actually, that's what Sapkowski intended when he wrote this is that he wanted Yennefer to, or the, that, that that is what it was. You know, Yennefer was hunchbacked before she became a sorceress. But how Garrett was able to figure that out, honestly, it doesn't make much sense. Uh, a little bit of pedantry there. But uh, either way, uh, that's something that we know about her. And something else we know about her now is that she has the potential to earn a lot of money. Nenike says the jewels that Geralt wanted to give her were not worth spitting on for someone in her profession. Uh, she can earn a lot of money for terminating a noblewoman's unwanted pregnancy and for curing infertility. So she is somebody that probably is not without means. And uh, while we're talking about the infertility, Geralt says it's too bad she can't help herself in that respect. Uh, from this conversation between Geralt and Nenike, we can assume that Yennefer wanted to capture the djinn in the short story so that she could use its magic to cure her own infertility. Uh, it's not told to us exactly why or what she was going to do with the djinn. I mean, she was going to get three wishes if she was able to become the djinn's master. So I, I, I think we're meant to understand that one of her wishes would be so that she could have children. Something that she cannot do as a sorceress. Um, no idea what her other two wishes would have been, but... I'm I'm pretty sure that it would be one of those wishes would be for her to have children again. Um, Geralt says that she was too possessive. So in the voice of reason, he tells Nanake that. And uh, I'm honestly really curious about what happened exactly between them that caused Yennefer to be to become so angry at Geralt by the time of the voice of reason. Um, I know that Neneke says that he ran away from her and he, his defense of that was that she was too possessive and he couldn't stand it. But I, I would like to know the finer details. And I could see Geralt being the type of person who would not really be down to be with somebody who even it's just a little bit possessive. Like I can see him being in a relationship with somebody that's just like a few possessive qualities, uh, maybe a little bit needy or whatever. And he's just totally turned off by it uh, just because he's such a quiet person himself. He you know doesn't complain a lot. He's I've said this about him multiple times and I'm trying to not continue repeating the same adjectives, but, <laughs> but he is very stoic. So I could see him really not, being down for somebody like that. Um, so who, I mean, for all we know, maybe she was absurdly possessive and he was completely justified in wanting to get away from that. But 
Um, it's not really talked about in detail. It's something that we might learn about in the future. We might not find out too much, but um, either way, I thought it was worth mentioning. And also, I yeah, I, I just I wonder how long they were together. I mean, we we're never given an exact timeline throughout this book. We know that the voice of reason is like present day, and every all the short stories happened prior to that they're all in the past obviously uh we don't know exactly you know from what short story to the next like when they took place i mean we know that the very first short story the one with this where he lifts the, the curse from the striga that was the most recent but as far as all the other ones go with um and i guess the um, a question of price with the child surprise and in Sintra that had to have been pretty recent but uh, the other ones, and including the one that we're talking about now, we don't know exactly when that happened. So from the time that Geralt and Yennefer met till present day in Voice of Reason, uh, we don't know how much time went by. And I'm curious, I'm just, I, I, I would like to know how long he and Yennefer were together before they got to this point. So their relationship, it's kind of understandably tumultuous considering how they met, how things got started between them. Um, it wasn't, you know, this very sweet, loving build up to a relationship. You know, she was, she put a few spells on him and, you know, did these awful things and, you know, she tried to make up for it, but still, um, it, it wasn't a good start. <laughs> so it's not, it's not surprising that it didn't have a very good ending. If it is even over. I mean, maybe it's just a temporary ending. But she's pissed at him. We know that much. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Uh, the sorcerer profession is seen as prestigious and deserving of respect. And Yen received a lot of disrespect in Rind. And it's just probably because of her rebelliousness. Uh, you know, she was ignoring the taxes. I think that just set off a lot of the town officials that, you know, they, they didn't like her for mainly that reason. There might have been other little things. But uh, for the most part, we now know that if you are a sorcerer in this world, you can not only make a lot of money, but people are going to respect you and they hold you in high esteem. So I thought that that was pretty cool. Uh, the next thing I wanted to talk about in more detail, because I didn't really get too detailed about it in the summary was Geralt's wishes. So he had three wishes. Um, the first one was the exorcism. He had no idea that he was even the one with the wishes. I don't think he even believed that that was a real thing at that point. Um, and he didn't know what he was saying when he, when he said that exorcism because it was in a language he wasn't familiar with. Uh, he finds out from the priest Krep <laughs> that the exorcism was translated to the into English is um, something along the lines of like get out of here and go f yourself. I'm trying to avoid using curse words. Uh, so he his first wish was for the gin to go f itself. Uh, not surprising, it was an angry gin. I mean, it was angry when they released it from the vase in the first place, but. Uh, it had good reason to become even more angry from there, I would say. Uh, the second wish was for the guard to burst. 
again, he didn't know. I, I honestly believe, even though that guard was beating the crap out of Geralt, I, I honestly believe that if Geralt knew that he had those wishes and that that would have happened to the guard, he wouldn't have made that wish. Uh, he cares a little bit too much about people and humanity to uh, have somebody die in such a violent way. But, you know, from his order, his wish. Uh, but that's what happened. Um, the third wish, which we kind of know, but it was never explicitly stated what it was. It was something along the lines, though, of he and Yennefer becoming bound. So their fates would be bound to each other. Um, neither died when the house collapsed, and they were both, they both seemed to have very strong feelings for each other, although only knowing one another for about a day. And I don't know exactly if the wish made them feel more strongly towards one another because when before Geralt made that wish when he returned to Eridol's inn to save Yennefer from the djinn he did that bef he did that without having magic influence him at all he had already started to feel something for her at that point and it isn't made clear whether or not Yen had started to have feelings for him. It doesn't seem like it though. And then by the time the last wish is granted and you know they're in their intimate embrace, she clearly feels very strongly for him. And I don't know if she was maybe influenced by the wish or if she was just so impressed that somebody cared about her enough to save her in that way. He, she tells him right before he makes that wish, you can have anything you want, like make your wish, damn it. You can have anything. And he wishes to basically protect her and for them to be together. And I know that Geralt is the type of person, very common theme in this book has been how witchers are supposed to be neutral. He is supposed to not get involved in human affairs and he is constantly conflicted with that and he does so anyway. And it's a, it's a big internal issue that he has. He wants to help people, but on the other hand, he's not supposed to, and he often chooses to do that. So, but I think that he did genuinely have feelings for Yennefer before making that wish. That's why he made the wish. But whether or not Yennefer had those feelings first, I don't know. So whether or not the, <laughs> whether or not magic influenced her feelings, we don't know. But it's possible. It's probably not even important, honestly. But it's honestly probably not even worth talking about. <laughs> anyway, so we learn more about the elves. We learn about integrated elves. So elves who have integrated in society. Uh, so there's Chiriadin and Erdol, and then there's the half-elf Radomir. And we are shown through Radomir, an example of racism towards elves. And I just wanted to bring this up because we learned a lot about them in the last story, in the last chapter. But we um, really only learned about the elves that lived outside of society that kind of did their own thing because they didn't want to be discriminated against. Um, but yeah, so through Vladimir, um, one of these integrated elves, he's a half elf, uh, he is a knight and he's a nobleman, but he wasn't allowed to pass through that gate to get into Rhind between dusk and dawn. And 
if he wasn't a half elf, he would have been allowed to. So right there, there's an example of racism. Uh, it's noted that it's difficult to guess the age of elves. And we kind of already had an idea of that from the last chapter because we learned in the last chapter that they have um, very long lives, that they can live much longer than humans can. So it's noted that Chiriadin could have been 20 years old or he could have been 120 years old. Uh, but due to their long lives, you can't really tell. And then also, according to Geralt, the integrated elves are intelligent, funny, and they have a calm reserve and also have unique taste for food and drinks. Um, that was just thrown in there. I don't think that that's very important, but um, Geralt was drinking this tea that um, Chiriadin or Aradol or both gave him, and he mentions that it's it was it was hard for him to drink. He didn't like it. And he just never, he didn't understand their taste for food and drink. But it's noted that they're basically good people to be around. Um, they have a tendency for, you know, being smart and funny and they're chill. So it's a, uh, I have a feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm making a note of this in this episode because I have a feeling that it, some of these facts are important. If they were totally relevant for the entire story of The Witcher, then I don't think they would have given us these details. Maybe they would just to immerse us more in this world. Um, but just in case it is important again later on, I like to I like to bring it up. I like to you know make a verbal note of it. Uh, another example of witchers and mages having disdain for one another is brought up in this chapter. It's pretty small. Uh, but we did get the first mention of that in The Lesser Evil when Geralt is going to bring the Kikimora carcass to Stregobor, the wizard. Uh, so he is... It's recommended to him in that story to see if the wizard will pay him for the uh, the body of the Kikimora. And he says something along the lines of like, oh, well, you know, witchers and wizards aren't fans of one another, something like that. And when Yen and Geralt are discussing the payment for healing Dandelion, he says that she treated him better than her brethren, brethren probably would have. And so I kind of wonder why um, Stragobor and Geralt didn't like each other because of their differences on conservation. But this, you know, it didn't seem to be a thing with Yennefer. I mean, she was obviously not super rude to him for being a witcher right off the bat, uh, or she wasn't rude to him for being a witcher at all, but she, when they first met, she was more fascinated by the fact that he was a witcher rather than having, rather than having like negative feelings towards him. Uh, she probably doesn't have an issue with killing monsters, but I do wonder if that is a common thing with mages in this world. If they are mostly like Stregobor, who wants to preserve the lives of these monsters or if that was just kind of a one-off with Stregobor or maybe there are other reasons why mages and witchers tend to not get along. Uh, it might be talked about later, it might not. Uh, something else I wanted to bring up was the portals. We never saw portals until now and um, Geralt was reluctant to use the portal 
that Yennefer opened up because they can be very dangerous. Uh, he once saw half of a portal traveler come through the other side. And he's also heard of others who used a portal and were never seen again. I think it's extremely understandable why he is reluctant to use those. I would never, if that existed in our world or if I lived in that world, I would never want to, I would never set foot in one of those. I mean, unless it was dire circumstances, but otherwise, no, no, thank you. I will, I would never, I get it. I get why he's not about it. Uh, so uh, also the Shariga reward money. I brought this up, I think a couple of times after the very first short story where Geralt lifts the curse from the Striga from King Foltest's daughter and he gets a reward of 3,000 orins. And it's brought up a few times throughout the book that he needs money, he needs to work. And I'm thinking, what happened to all that money that he just earned from fighting the Striga? You know, he's at that temple trying to recover and heal from the wounds he got on his neck from that fight, but he doesn't have the money anymore. So what was going on there? We know now what happened. So in the voice of reason, we find out that Geralt spent 2,500 of the 3,000 orins on those gemstones that he wanted to give to Yennefer. So um, some of some of them were to go to Melitale's temple, um, but some of or most of them were for Yennefer so that she could get this procedure done so she could get her reproductive system working again. Very interesting because Yennefer makes a lot of money, as we're told right after he asked Neneke to give the the stones to Yennefer. So it's kind of weird, but I think it's because he's got a guilty conscience. I think that he and Yennefer left off on bad terms, and he was probably the one that did something wrong. I think that's what we're meant to believe here. So Geralt is a good guy, but he seems to have messed up and he wants to use that money to clear his conscience but it's probably just like neneke said like it's just gonna piss her off more and i believe that after we've now met yennefer it she seems like the type of person that would be extremely offended <laughs> by receiving that from neneke from Geralt. so yeah i think he should definitely not do that and we're also not told whether or not he decides to actually give them to Neneke or not, she said. He goes to give them to her and she's like, oh, I wouldn't do this if I were you. And then they kind of just talk and they don't say one way or the other if he is going to leave those with Neneke to give to Yennefer. But I hope not. Not just because I don't want him to piss her off, but mostly because they keep talking about how there's very little work for witchers, how he has a hard time making a living in this profession. It's just not a financially wise decision. <laughs> Save your money, girl. Jesus. All right. Anyway, um, the last thing, the last point that I wanted to bring up from this chapter, and this is something I think I've talked about in every episode, is the witcher signs. There was witcher signs in this chapter. I don't know why I love these signs so much, but I'm going to talk about them. Not, I don't know. I was going to say every time they come up, but Maybe, maybe not every time. If by the time we get to like Lady of the Lake and he's still using Witcher signs, I'm, I don't think I'm going to 
bring it up. <laughs> you never know. Maybe we will. Maybe they'll be super rare by that point that I'll, I'll get excited when they come up. Um, but we didn't get any new ones. I don't know. Maybe we've already learned about all of them by this point. So we got to see Ard. Uh, he used that to fight the djinn when it attacked Dandelion. Didn't even do anything. And that's the one that acts like an invisible force. And then Heliotrope, which he used to parry Yennefer's spell when he brought her the apple juice. Uh, I hope that there's some new ones that we haven't learned about yet because they're just they're just exciting. I don't know. I don't know why I love them so much. <laughs> Let me know if you like them as much as I do. I always, whenever I read that, I'm always like, oh, I don't, I don't know why. Anyway, uh, yeah. So to conclude, uh, in spite of the ending to the short story, Geralt and Yennefer are not on speaking terms right now. And we only know a little bit, just that Neneke says Geralt ran away from her. Uh, it seems unlikely that this is the last we'll hear about Yennefer. Geralt clearly had deep feelings for her, and the last wish will probably keep them connected. Not the story or the book, The Last Wish, Geralt's Last Wish. So I, I imagine that they will have another meeting. Like, this isn't the last time we hear from her. This isn't the last time that Geralt and her... Well, she they weren't talking present day in this chapter, but... I'm sure in somewhere in the future, she will come up again. They will be together again. Um, it would be interesting, though, to see the relationship explored further. Um, I want to find out how she was possessive. Um, and then the final short story of The Last Wish was this one. But there's still one more chapter. So the next chapter is going to be just the voice of reason. So we're going to wrap up that story and that will be the next episode because it's really short. Uh, it's only about 10 pages. I think the episode should be really short. So I think that next episode will be a good opportunity to talk about the book as a whole. And then after that, we're going to move on to the first short story in sort of destiny. And I'm really, really excited. All right. Anyway, if you are interested in listening or watching this, differently than how you are currently listening or watching. Um, basically, this is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. So YouTube, there's obviously it's YouTube. So there's a video component. Um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's just the audio. Um, just letting you know in case one of those other platforms is more convenient for you. Um, yeah, if you have listened this far, thank you so much for watching. I really, really appreciate it. And goodbye. <laughs>